0: Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi published author and CEO and founder of Right Way.
1: And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk.
0: So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Yeah, so I mean, I
1: feel like you know, um, this endeavor, this joint writing endeavor on our part, not, not that we don't talk about collaborating all the time or collab or that we've collaborated before, but this was just kind of such a cool out of the blue idea you had. And I've got to say that what has, I feel like what's transpired is I have regained an appreciation and a love for writing itself.
0: Okay. Well, I feel like people need context for this before we dive in. Well, of because, course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Which is, I mean, because that's a huge statement. Huge statement.
1: I was, I was trying to Quentin Tarantino, yeah. <laughs> where we we explore the effect and then we go back yes. and look at the cause. Well, so, but truly, and yeah, yeah. Um, so let's tell them. So this, this let tell them, tell them what your what the genesis of this was.
0: Yeah. So with my writing, we've been, we've been sharing on this podcast more and more about, you know, just our own writing woes or ups and downs or where we've stalled, where we've tried things, where we've succeeded, failed, whatever. And I've been in this kind of holding pattern of just, you know, I'm going to be out of contract um, as of February with my last book that comes out. And then I've kind of tinkered around with a few other things, haven't finished them, finally finished a draft of something, and then was just like, okay, now what? Like my usual MO is to like send something off and then, you know, wait forever and then get it back. And I don't work on anything in between. I just kind of like let it, let it go. And for some reason, I... Um, had an idea for a shorter book and it was kind of sparked by going to this Airbnb here in town and I was like, Ooh, this would be, it was just kind of creepy. It was like a beautiful house, but a creepy house, very isolated, very remote. And then I got in this other conversation, I got into a conversation about haunted houses and there's a, there is a haunted house here in Nashville, Uh, called The Beast House that's supposed to be like the scariest house in America. There are a bunch of mass murders there, stuff like that. And I was like, ooh, it would be so fun to kind of, you know, create this story, maybe write more in the horror genre and do it without any expectation. Do it just to do it. I didn't really map out this idea. (laughs) Um, I came to Joe with it and we were talking about maybe submitting this. To Audible Originals, which is a completely different outlet for publishing. So it is an audiobook only. There is no print version. There is no ebook version. Um, it's a much, much shorter book. I know a lot of authors that have done it. So I approached Joe with this idea. Like we kind of very loosely came up with this, this plot and very loosely and decided to divide and conquer. And we were like, fuck it, let's like knock this thing out in a week, you know? And we've said things like that before, like to be clear, Joe and I have talked about collaborating on all types of things. Like he's helped me. We we did a pilot. Uh, we did a like a script for one of my books that was optioned. We've talked about true crime. But I think the difference here is this wasn't my story that we were adapting or his story that we were doing something to. It was just a brand new thing that we both jumped into. And the way we did it was in total collaboration where I took a chapter, he took a chapter. And I swear, like, so I started on it. I had so much fun. It was unlike any other writing experience I've had, where it was just like, I could not wait to sit down and write this thing. And I didn't even know where it was going, what it was about, which kind of goes against everything we talk about with like outlining and plotting, blah, blah, blah. And you like experienced much the same thing, right? Like it was just this kind of,
1: Um, you know, like similarly, but you know, different from you because I'm not, it's not about a publishing contract for me. I think I, well, this isn't for me either
0: actually. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. But like, you know, ever since, I feel like even since grad school, I've been trying to kind of like rediscover any kind of passion for writing. I feel like somehow uh, at some point it just got like taught out of me or something. And um, I've viewed every subsequent project, you know, desperately wanting to like have my own uh, a title to my name. Uh, I I've tried to I've tackled every subsequent project project with like a just like a, a kind of a weight and just like um, a slog and just like you know um, complete complete labor like it just it is it seemed laborious like just like um, and you know of course we oftentimes on this podcast uh, in particular talk about the you know the, the balance of our work life at Right Rightway with, with clients and development projects and then stuff of our own. And although that plays a part, uh, it wasn't like this was any different. And I think, you know, again, um, in the, the way we, I don't know, the way we kind of approached it was just like you said, completely antithetical to everything we talk about, completely antithetical to the way I always thought that I'd approach a project. And I didn't, I didn't think about it. Um, Which means I didn't overthink it. And uh, it was so excellent to collaborate the way we did, where it was like, we're kind of leaving this free and open. You'd write a chapter, I'd write a chapter, we had two different storylines we were working on. And we just kind of, we just, we just did it. And like you said, I think it was a glaring, it was the difference was glaring. I just couldn't wait to sit down and do it. Um, It felt easy, um, you know, and still having to like sit down and put in the time and put in the hours and get the word count. But at no point did it feel like I was pulling anything out. It felt like everything was just like, Pouring out. Um,
0: Yeah, and we've gotta we've gotta get to the bottom of that because I I mean I too felt the same way. And you know, I've talked a lot recently about losing my joy of writing and being pissed about that. Like it's the one thing I could always count on is really loving writing. And I just really lost it along the way. And even this draft of this book that I that I just finished was very laborious. And it was a very serious, it's a very serious subject matter. And maybe it's that it's 80,000 words. And what we did, we tackled this very short, um, you know, quote unquote book that I think could be a much bigger story. But our, it was the most like free flowing thing I've ever done. And it was, I was so sad when I got done with my chapters. I was like, devastated. I was <laughs> just like, I want yeah,
1: to, I want to go back. You were, that you were, that you had gotten to that point of, of finishing, like that point of completion. Yeah.
0: Because I wanted to keep going and trying to get to the
1: bottom of it. I also like, there was another detail that really struck me. And I know that we've talked about, um, co- we have collaborated and talked about collaborating a lot, but I do find that every time we interview like a writing duo or anytime I kind of like hear about, um, you know, like uh author teams or author duos that work together. Um, you know, we had a great interview with uh um Christina Loren. Uh and I th- I think that there's a part of me that always was like, now how the fuck do you guys do it? Like, come on. Like you know, like I I don't I, I there's something not like writing becomes such a precious thing. And I think you and I both as editors know how um, tense, even conversations can get with clients or, or how, how delicate the matter can be. I just was always like, how do you write with another person? Because it just seems like a completely tenuous relationship. And yet there was in this case there, for me, there was something so exciting. And, you know, I think kudos to you because you gave you, you, you marched into this manuscript like like right away and just like laying it all out there and giving me giving so much to for us to work with and I but I think it became exciting for me every time I sat down to work to like read what you'd written and then be like like thus inspired to to tackle my my section so I I just felt like I was I was inspired by by working with well you. let me
0: tell you you guys who are listening to this like I would read his work so he, he was writing from a couple's perspective from the 1950s and I feel like your style of writing works so well with that time period and you're just no I mean you're just such a good writer but I was like oh my god you need to be doing nothing but writing fiction because it's just so good uh. and I would like read it out loud and just be like oh my god his chapters are so much better than my chapters, but it all Not works. So,
1: no, it's it so, works. it's so true that, though. I think that's the amazing part is like to get to the end. And, and so I, I think it's important to note, like, and I, I do, I do preach outlining and I, and, and we do preach structure. Um, and I, and I think, I, I think those things, those approaches are very, very important, but, I have to say that, like, there is something inherent. I think when you remove, uh, the, like, when you stop forcing it, right? Yes, you when stop, you stop
0: forcing it, yep.
1: There is something inherent in human beings to story. Like, we are, we, if a, a person, like, you can hear a person telling, a per, like, an anecdote, at a bar or a coffee shop to another person. And they're they know they we know inherently how to structure a story. And I think what what I had to remark at when we sort of uh got to the end of this and you know, we were really feeding off each other, but at no point did we sit down and say, I mean, we got on the phone and we had a couple discussions about like what's the what's this element or what might this be? But at no point we really like would end those conversations by saying like let's just see what happens.
0: Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens, which i mean again i think is kind of a metaphor for the way we are approaching business a little bit more in the way that we are approaching life which you know being a type a individual that seems totally backwards but it it really worked for this and and i don't know for me if it was the length had something to do with it. So writing 15,000 to 20,000 words is a much different beast than writing 80,000 words. And, you know, I've often shied away from short stories because I struggle to tell a complete story in 2,500 words or 4,000 words. But this just seemed like the perfect doable length, number one, it was a different genre, which, you know, we talk about that a little bit, like writing outside of your your genre. And, you know, I, I've dabbled a little bit with women's fiction or more romance, but this felt just so fun. And I was like, what have I been missing? And I, I think that's the thing. If you're like stagnant in your writing or, you know, doing something a, a little different or trying your hand at something, not even to get published necessarily, but just to spark that creativity that often does lay dormant or is stuck in the narratives that you tell yourself, like, oh, I just don't love writing anymore. Or, oh, well, writing 80,000 words is just such a slog. Like, I don't know, I'll get it done at some point. Or it becomes like another to-do or another chore and it leaves no room for expansiveness and to see where it might go, where the story might go. And I think having fun with it And approaching it with, let's see what happens, for this case, in this instance, was the thing to let us both fly. And I think for you to reclaim your joy, because, you know, I haven't seen your fiction, really. You've sent me a couple things, but not since college. Like, really, have I read through, like, an entire... You know, story. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, "Oh my God, you are a 1950s housewife. Like, this is not Joe Tower writing this. I am, I am so invested in this character that you are writing. It seemed like you had been creating her, studying her world or this couple's world for ages instead of like literally a week. So I just think it's incredible that you that you kind of re again reclaimed that and. I'm curious for you if you think it's some of the other personal work that you've been doing and detaching from work mode and doing mode and like really kind of recalibrating and regrounding and reprioritizing for yourself. If that did something that just kind of allowed you to to create from a different place.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you brought it up um, because obviously we love to talk about that all day, too. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think like, you know, I think you and I both like constantly, like this is, uh, our, our conversations vacillate in between like approaches to writing and approaches to like mindfulness and mental health and, 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 and balance and like, you know, paradigm shifts and the fucking third metric and all of this kind of shit. That's like, I don't know that like it becomes, I see it as becoming increasingly, invaluable um because i think the state of mental health right now uh in the in the human race is like the greatest epidemic of all uh and you know i think we've we've talked about that that before also and i think in you know it's so easy to get consumed by accomplishment and 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 money and career and um and Uh, identification and labeling and, and, and categorization um, it's because that's what our society is built on. Um, And I think the detachment angle or the, or the disassociation angle, maybe, you know, dissociation in like a healthy way, obviously, you know, just like, not, not like the mental health disorder itself, like active dissociation from, from all of the conditional bullshit that we as a society have decided is, is important, um, I think like I think there's a, there's a nugget there um, that applies to absolutely everything else that, that apply like I think dis- dissociation from society, there's a nugget in that in that act that actually helps you better associate with society. Uh, and I know that like doesn't totally make any sense, but I think it prepares you more. No, that
0: that does make sense.
1: So I yeah. So yes, I do think that you know a lot of like uh, the meditation and the desperate, uh, the kind of de- like the the realization that I desperately needed to um, de- like detach from my my ego, or or at least have the presence of mind to observe when my egoic voice has completely taken over. Um, Trying to exercise just more compassion um, across the board for everything and everybody and feeling more um, like separate from society, but a part of the universe or a part of the world. I think all of that is really important in how you approach anything else, your relationships, your art, your career, your job, whatever you're Completely.
0: Profession. And I mean, we are all connected. As, as cliche as that sounds, it is so true. We do everything. The way that we build our lives is built on separation. We are trying to separate ourselves. You're different than I am. He's different than that. You know, it's it's ridiculous how we do that in order to define ourselves. And a prime example, like... I know I talk about my daughter sometimes, but she, oh man, we we had another like really tough conversation with her um, that I won't really go into, but it ended up in her feeling she she kind of spilled all of her worries that she has, and we've created this worry box where. If you have a worry, instead of hanging on to it, you write it down. And then we actually burn them (laughs) at the end of the the day or the week. And she started just spewing out all of her worries. And in this little nine-year-old's brain, the worries that she has picked up from what's been happening over the past two years in the world, conversations that she hears, just thoughts that she has, I couldn't even believe that she could mentally carry all of these worries and it it just got me thinking like Alex and I we went on a we were on a date and I was just like man I am so overworked and I've been I'm also a worrier I'm a chronic worrier he is not he just does not worry which is amazing I would do anything to have that brain um but um but you know I was just like man you know I work and work and work much like so many other people. And then you get two days to rest, but it's not really rest at the end of the week because you often have obligations or errands, you got to clean or, you know, whatever. And then it starts all over again. And I'm like, why, why have we set it up this way? Um, in the ways that we make money and the ways that we work and the ways that we, you know, quote unquote rest in the ways that we spend our money and the ways that we spend our time, and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, we don't have to buy into this narrative. Like if it doesn't work for us, we don't have to do it. And yes, to be part of society and, you know, to, to, you know, quote unquote, like fit in, which I've never been interested in. Um, there are some things that you have to do. And and with the world as it is right now, I know there's so many things going on and lots of changes and lots of division, um, but I think it's such an opportunity as has been the last almost two years to really examine, like, is this working for me? Is, an, is this in my best and highest Like, good? Is this good for me? Do I feel good? Am I healthy? Am I resilient? And if the answer's no, then you have the permission to change it. And I feel like right? Like for writing, like bringing it back around to that too, like kind of what I, what I was doing, what I've been doing, not that it's not working, but it's just kind of like flatlined a little bit. I'm just like, where's the upper trajectory or the excitement or the, I don't know, like the, I want to, I want to do so many different things and seeing my book on screen is, you know, that is number one for me. Like that's the thing that I want to happen more than anything. But I'm like, how much energy do I put into that? Not a lot. Um, And I think taking a total detour into other realms, like, okay, how else can I make money as a writer? What else could I do that could bring me joy? Like, how else could I approach the page to where it is fun again? And if sitting down to write an 80,000 word book that won't see the light of day for two years isn't lighting me up anymore, then maybe it's time to look at something different. And I think we don't allow ourselves to ask those questions or to even try those things. And the fact that you and I were like, fuck it, let's do it. What's, I mean, great. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we have unlocked and discovered this entirely different like little piece of joy and connection to our creativity and to something that we have loved for so many years. And the fact that we both found that at the same time together, to me, like our journey that you and I have been on is so cyclical. And it it's just been such a gift, no matter what happens, if it gets published, if it doesn't get published, like getting that back and realizing, oh, my joy doesn't belong to the publishing industry. My joy doesn't belong to my editor. My joy doesn't belong to my readers either. It's mine. Like this is mine to own. It's mine to, you know, just like, it's just mine. It's, mine. it's mine to hold on to and to cultivate. And that has been the greatest gift. And I think for so many writers who are stuck or uninspired or frustrated, just try your hand. Well, first of all, take the pressure off, which I think you and I did. We kind of like took a step back. And then find something that is fun, like fun for you, whether that's writing a poem, a song. Um, I mean, what whatever it is, like just taking the pressure off and then going for it.
1: I think, I think that, and that does, yeah, that makes me think of two things. Cause I think those are, th- those two things are such important points, taking a step back and, um, and finding something fun. And I think finding something fun can be just, you know, you know, you, you kind of have to embrace that in a couple of different ways because I think trying something fun might be trying something different or trying something that you're not used to or trying something that's unfamiliar. And a lot of times we have to reckon with some fear or uncertainty around trying those things. So, um, you know, and that, that can be very difficult. But I think, you know, you said before, and I think as, as, it, as it applies to writing, I think, and, I, and as it applies to life, I think this is such an amazing thing because we do talk about like the big, your big why, like the big why, like having your big why. But I think, you know, interestingly enough, looking at that now, that can sometimes be a trap because sometimes we can convince ourselves that we have our big why, but we might not be being honest with ourselves and our big why might not actually be our big why. And if you look at how we approach this project, we kind of did the opposite of what either of us would ever do regarding writing at all. The other thing I want to say, and I think this again applies to writing, apply applies to life, but also really applies, like in particular to my my path of of self improvement, is I've like had to take a step back from self improvement because, like any other, uh, like like any other practice, we can start trying too hard, even with self self improvement, and I, you know, I was especially when I was like kind of really recognizing that I was struggling and I was like journaling every day and meditating for like half hour to an hour at a time and like reading every fucking, you know, article or book. And after a while it became like, like I was trying so hard at it, it became too much for my brain to hold. Um, now I, you know, our brain can hold and process a lot of things. Um, and, and not all of those things have to ever be in agreement, but I think if you're trying to both hold a lot of information and execute, uh, a lot of that information in like turn it into like proactive behavior, I think it can get very overwhelming. And I think that's where the process it it's, it's no longer something authentic and it's no longer something inherent. You're, you're, you, I think you create a kind of. Practice of the practice where you're, you're, you, I think you maybe don't even recognize the fact that you're suddenly going through the motions. And I think that's something that I also did with writing. I think I was trying to like galvanize the practice so hard that I wasn't even really doing it. And I think the best thing you can do in those situations is, like you said, stop, take a step back, take a look, observe, gather the data. And make an assessment and make an, and then make an adjustment. And that adjustment might be something totally different. It might be a 180. It might be, uh, and, you know, you through that, you might end up finding yourself back in the same place, but, you know, that journey maybe informed you in a certain way uh, where you have a new perspective um, tackling your, you know, tackling something th- through your old process. But you have to, I think, we don't want to notice when things aren't working, but I think not when things are getting challenging or when when things are getting hard. I think we can tell the difference between hard in the right way and hard in the wrong way. And when something gets hard in the wrong way, it's time to stop, take a step back and try something fun, like you said.
0: Completely. And I mean, fun, you know, we don't talk about that enough, but this, <laughs> this process especially if you're approaching writing any type of writing it should be at the core it should it should be fun in in some way much like life and you know i that's one of my goals um well not even this year cuz this year's almost over i don't even know what i've done this year but um next year i really want to bring more fun and joy into my life and that that crosses all areas of my life. And I I feel like it's so easy to get, you know, so serious, so consumed against, like you said, so like distracted by the noise and the level of information. I was just saying that to Alex, like, isn't it funny how, you know, today all of us spend less and less time with like our extended family or even our, 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 the people closest to us because we're often like texting a million people or that takes the place of, of in-person, you know, hangs or conversations or whatever, you're managing your social media or you're running a business or you have clients and it's just so much all of the time Self-improvement can be so much all of the time. Health can be so much all of the time. You know, watching the news or media can be so much all of the time. So I think I find like the greatest tool we all have to figure out what brings you fun, joy, true happiness, whatever, is just getting still and getting silent. Like stop talking be still. And I mean, you just went, you just went on this super remote trip, like this hike where there was not another soul around. And you were talking about that. Like the only thing you had to worry about was like, Oh yeah. How am I going to get clean water and not die? You know, maybe by like a mountain lion attack. And, and actually that was, you know, that's another thing that you
1: had brought up. We had that conversation after you guys went, um, on that, on that camping trip. Um, which this, I mean, if you want to talk about, and this, you know, this is maybe a conversation uh, for an, another podcast episode, but if you really want to like get your priorities about life in line, or, you know, if you're, you know, people like Ria and I are, which is like beholden to email and deadline and, and, and expectation, if you want to very quickly realize how artificial, those demands those stressors are all you need to do is put on a backpack go out into the middle of nowhere be alone face nature and 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 face like the 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 susceptibility of your own sense of survival um that that will that will shake you violently back into clarity about what really matters and and i think I think COVID did that initially for a while, but we're so, we're so willing to like, we're like fucking jello. We like are so willing to return back to what was normal, what was comfortable, what we've come to know, um, that I think that kind of like went back out the window the moment we started to turn a corner.
0: Completely. Um, and two, two of my friends sent me this, uh, headline where, it said, it was a nice break from everything. Two men rescued after 29 days lost at sea. And it's just so funny, like that. Y- it seems like something so dramatic has to happen, like getting lost at sea or being isolated in nature to get back to the core of who we are and what actually matters and how much we just create that isn't even real. And I think, you know, as you and I kind of dive deeper on this, on this path and like really try to figure out what's important with the business, with our personal lives, like with writing, whatever, I don't know. I just, I I think like we've, we've cracked the code of something a, a little bit in reclaiming that joy and reclaiming something so simple as sitting down and and writing a story. And I think we've so overcomplicated it in society, in our business, in our minds, that we forget like the most joyful things can be the simplest forms of action or just being. And that's what I'm really trying to pay attention to is in what moments at what time do I feel the most joyful? And am I excited? Because that's often an undervalued feeling. And I think if we all experience a little bit more of that, whether it's on the page or off, the better off will all be the end.
1: The <laughs> fucking end, you guys. Write a scary story. This is your assignment for anyone Write listening. a scary
0: story and you'll you'll be happy. Write a, oh, yeah.
1: Find a partner, <laughs> find a writing buddy, and write a scary story together. I'm telling you, It's going to crack open something in you um, and you will thank us. You will. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any other tips or tricks that you use to kind of get your mojo back, please email us at podcast at rightwayco.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O. And let us know because we want to hear about it and we want to respond to you and we want to talk about it. Um, Nothing happens unless we talk about it. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need.
0: For more information about RightWay, visit RightWayCo.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers.